0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi, everyone. It's been a really busy month for Frankie and I. We figured out we're somehow seeing every member of our extended family in a month. And we're flying out tomorrow to Tampa to a wedding and where we'll see my mom and her husband. And then um, hopefully things will quiet down after that. But I've been scrambling a bit to get this done and to, um, to feel like any sort, of, any sort of individual between going to my day job and coming home and the baby stuff and everything. So that's where I am. I am struggling, but will prevail. Having a lot of fun in some ways and um, struggling a lot with others. So that's my little check-in. Um, my guest today is Erin Cherry. That's her full name, but she goes by Cherry. Erin is a fantastic actor who I've been wanting to have on the podcast for a long time. We've tried several times and schedules always got in the way, so I'm really glad that um, we persisted and managed to get this interview in. We met We met a long time ago randomly. I was at the Guthrie doing a summer program before my last year at Juilliard and she was there performing in A Midsummer Night's Dream. And then we just kept in touch after that, became Facebook friends, realized we had a lot of friends in common. I really admire how dedicated she is and driven about her career. And she actually just won an Emmy, which was very exciting, for her role in an online series that we'll talk all about. So very exciting. Congratulations, Erin. She's just someone who's really thoughtful about how she's living her life and how she's taking care of herself in conjunction with her career as an artist. So I hope you enjoy the 139th episode of The Compass. What do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? Oh,
2: working out. I work out a lot. I kind of, I go to the gym almost every day except Sundays. Mm-hmm. I get a little OCD about that. Therapy. I'm definitely therapy. And then um, making sure I have quiet time, giving myself a lot of quiet time, meditating, even if I have to go to church and just sing. I feel like self-care is very important in this business. So um, I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> I'm going to ask you to scoot in just a tiny Tiny, bit. okay. Right. That's perfect. Right. Okay. But yes, um, self-care is very important to me. But I do it by cause being physical, because I've always been physical all my life. I grew up dancing, always moving, always shaking. And working out gives me that outlet, especially when I'm stressed. I'll do some cardio, I'll go rollerblade, I'll take a gym class. So I do a lot so of that. It's a very conscious thing for you. Yes. And
1: when you, when I say the dark side, what does that bring up in your mind? What does that look like most often for you oh, in gosh. relation to your work as an artist?
2: Um, shutting down emotionally. Um, dealing with uh, my self-worth, um, mm-hmm. getting depressed because I just, when I beat myself up or try what I tend to do sometimes and I'm working on this, not comparing myself to other, it doesn't matter what level you're on, you're always looking and going, What's, why am I not there or I want to be there? And then um, I'm going through this process right now of working through dreams unrealized and um, how to create new dreams and new discovery of dreams. And some of those dreams don't have to be the end, um, that they still can be realized. And what I mean by that is, what I talked about a lot in therapy, in the beginning of this phase that I'm in, is that I had an age of by the time I'm this age, by the time I'm this age, I'm gonna have this, I'm gonna have that, I'm gonna be doing this, I'm gonna be on the cover this magazine, right? <laughs> things like that, you know? You, come out, of, you come out of grad, grad school and next thing you know, you just, have all, you just have these deadlines, as you say, and, um, and just sitting in therapy and crying it out and saying, I don't have those things, and what does that mean, and, how, and is that a failure, and what successes do I ha- have I had, things like that. And so, um, yeah, the dark side for me is part of grieving through that, having my self-worth and questioning, am I good enough, why am I here, am I meant to be doing this, and I can just just cry for days. And I allow myself that cleansing, but then I have to pick myself back up and go. But that's what comes up for yeah. me. Yeah.
1: Can, I'm so intrigued by this, yes. what you just mentioned about the dreams mm-hmm. unrealized. Is mm-hmm. that a term that you spoke about in therapy, or is that yeah, something just, that you've yeah. just been developing on your own?
2: Or? I know, it's just something I just, I just talked about in therapy. I, I just remember sitting there and just saying i have all these dreams unrealized and that's the quote that you know that i use because um i want to say hopeful for some of them because just because they're unrealized they they didn't meet the deadline then doesn't mean that they can't meet the deadline in the future if you know because i'm trying to let go of deadlines but whatever that means like i could still walk a red carpet or i could still find the partner right you know i could be and uh, let me give you some backstory. So, my career back in the day when I got out of grad school was supposed to be Carrie um, Washington's career, basically. Mm-hmm. I have my own TV show. I'm married <laughs> to this beautiful football player. I have two kids. We're walking the red carpet together. You know, I'm on the, all the cover magazines because at the time, there wasn't a lot of black women doing that. And so, my dream was I wanted to break barriers. Like, I want to be the first of yeah. something, I want to be the first to make history. In something and I was like okay i want to be this person and then you wake up one day and you're like Carrie Washington who I love and I think you know she's doing a great job she got scandal and then she becomes like she makes history and I'm like okay and I see that and I'm like that was supposed to be me and grieving that and realizing okay that is not your path and being okay with what the universe gives you and the path that you need to take and go okay so if that's not my path what what are you trying to tell me universe what are you trying to tell me god goddess um where am i supposed to be and so i had to grieve that because i'm i woke up one day i'm like i don't have
1: that
0: right.
2: so what does that mean does that mean i failed you know things like that so that right. gives you some insight of what where that was coming from
1: no i totally. i'm i need to sit down and evaluate that more specifically yeah. for myself mm-hmm. very interesting yeah
2: dreams and and some of them are you have to let them go and then some of them you go okay you know what how can we look at it from a different with fresh eyes from a different perspective where you are now and how can you still achieve that but right. it's hard it's a very painful journey yeah and lots of tears
1: how long have you been in new york
2: Ooh, 20 years oh my goodness yes 20 years are
1: you a lifer you feel like this place is your home now
2: I feel like this place is my home now. Um, I do want to be bi-coastal, that's a goal of mine, but I also want to be a homeowner one day. And I know I don't want to own a home in New York City, but I could go upstate or Connecticut mm-hmm. or somewhere. But I do know that I don't want to go back to the West Coast. I grew up on the West Coast, I grew up in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And Did
1: you go to that performing arts high school? No, like I wish. Martina, like Martina went there. <laughs> yeah, a bunch, yeah, a bunch of my friends from yeah. undergrad went there
2: too. <laughs> yes. Okay, I wish. because I, it's so funny because. Everybody asked me if I know Routine, and I wish. I We never met. Our, cross ne- our paths yeah. never crossed. And, she you know. <laughs> graduated
1: from my undergrad mm-hmm. the spring before I started. Oh, wow. And then she went to Juilliard and graduated. Okay. And we kind of met in between, and she gave me some advice going there, but she graduated the spring before I started Wow. There. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like six degrees of
1: separation. Yeah.
2: But yes, no, I haven't met her. I would love to meet her, but um, uh, she's on Queen Sugar now, and she's doing an amazing job. Um, I But... Every time I bring up Vegas, people go, oh, you guys, do you guys know each other? You guys, are are you guys related? You guys look like sisters? You guys, and I'm like, I wish, but no. But no, I just, growing up on the West Coast, I always felt out of place in a lot of ways because everything's slower pace. Hmm. The minute I learned how to drive, I was always in LA at the beach, you know, because it's only four hours. And I would just um, hang out on the beach and just dream about my life. And I remember the first time I visited New York, I was just like, I belong in New York and so since that first visit back in the day I just kept saying when I'm done with school when I'm ready when I grow up in quotes I want to move to New York and then I went to grad school I went to Rutgers in Jersey mm-hmm. um, and then I decided to stay here in New York and not go back to LA and I still feel that way even when I go back to LA now when I was just there a couple of months ago um, I it's a I'll visit and I can be there to for work but I just, something about New York that just just grabs me. It's like a... Um, that pace. Yes, the pace. It's like an abusive relationship. Like, I love <laughs> I love, and I hate you, yes. but I just can't be without you kind of thing. Yeah. But I do need to get away. There's times where I'm like, okay, I want to slow down. I want to get away.
1: It's better the more you leave, I yeah. feel like. You yeah. Spend a little bit of time away, and then
2: it's sweeter <laughs> yes. when you come back. Yes, sweeter when you come back. I agree with that. Yeah, totally definitely. Yeah.
1: What does your family think of you making a life as an artist? Are any of them in a creative field as well?
2: Hmm no my mother was a teacher she's retired Um, my step um, father um, worked in area 51 so Mm -hmm. I don't even know half the things he did he he couldn't tell me and um, my dad is artistic Um, he when I was when I was growing up he wanted to be a comedian so I have I have images of him it was short-lived but I have images of him writing his jokes telling his, you know, getting his jokes out on the family, seeing if we liked them. And I remember going to visit him, like seeing him on stage. And my mother loved the arts. So when I was a young buck, she would take me to see plays. And my mom said she would take me, even when I was a baby, young. But my first memory is um, I was seven. And she said we were on some college campus. I can't remember, I can't remember where we were, but we were seeing a, a college campus play and they were doing it for color girls and mm-hmm. i remember it to this day cuz i remember sitting on the edge of my seat my eyes just open like diamonds you know just like silver coins and i i don't know what's going on but i just remember looking at my mother going i want to do this and at the time i was already like dancing and things like that but not really acting or theater and then my mom was like okay let's let's um let's see what we can do and then in her mind she's like oh my gosh what am i going to do i have now i'm a stage mom you know so but she didn't she never talked me out of it. She was always supportive. She's seen almost everything I've done. I can count on one hand, she's missed maybe like five shows in my career, you That's know. So nice. And so she um, like I just did, I was just in Denver doing a show and she flew out to Denver. You know, my mother is my number one fan, and um, she's been very supportive. And I just have a, I, my cousin, Jamal, he just graduated yesterday. Um, with the MFA and film production, so we have it's all wrapped. Yes, yeah, through the it's through the family, um, but only so far. There's like two of us that are really pursuing
1: but it. But people appreciate it. Yeah, they which appreciate makes it. Makes a big difference when you're trying to talk about yes the stuff you're dealing with.
2: Yeah, very that. supportive and um, very proud, and you know, and just always sending me love texts or emails saying, you know, I support you, you know, things like that. So
1: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So I want to talk about. All sorts of things. Okay. Yes. But since this just happened to you, I feel like we should just talk about it right away, mm. and then we can kind of work backwards. Okay. That you yeah. just won an Emmy. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that old thing, that little thing. <laughs> and what's the category officially called? Because I want to say it's 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 not a web series. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, they, or is that what they call it?
2: Well, no, they call it. Um, I got best supporting actress in a digital drama series. Okay. And so it's interesting because I guess. The, from what I'm going to, this is, I don't know if I'm going to have it right, but from how I understand it, from what they say to us on the show, is um, there's so many different platforms now, right? So many live streams, different ways of being an actress or an actor, mm-hmm. and um, they are trying to recognize talent in those areas that have never really been recognized before, and they're trying to grow it and build it. Right. They and see so, that
1: it's a big yeah, market. Yeah, they see it's a big market. Yeah. and
2: so. Um, it's, a, it's a new category from what I understand and, um, to really be able to get together, create your own web series, put it on a platform, but then actually re- know that some people could actually look at it. Cause I didn't, I learned this as I go. Cause I had no idea that the Emmys that I would even get a nomination or they were even on the radar of the show or that they even look at those categories, like mm-hmm. look at web series, things like that. But apparently that's what they do now, and so I was just like, I'll take it. But yes, the title is um, supporting actors in a, a digital drama series, and they and they call it daytime. It was the daytime Emmys, and um, I guess because of the platform that it's on, it, it's under that category. Because you know, like you have shows like This Is Us or you know um, Empire, things like that. Those are the Emmy Emmys, and uh, I right, guess right, the nighttime right. in, Emmys. I, they, don't say, <laughs> they don't say nighttime, but those kind of shows. But um, you know, it's very interesting to even be considered a daytime show. But I guess it's because you can watch it in the daytime. watch and, it whenever you want. And we'll watch it whenever yeah. you want. So it's just very, it's, I'm learning as I go. But it's very interesting. But um, it's been surreal. I wasn't expecting to win. And I walk in my house and I look at her and I'm just like, I can't believe you're here. There's. <laughs> I still feel sometimes out of a body experience. Um, because I literally, I didn't write anything down when I won. I went up there i babbled i was like i hope i thank my mother and i went back and i I listened to what i said which was incoherent in the first half of it but i did thank my mother eventually i was like okay did i thank my mother as long as i got that as as long as i got (laughs) that out you know and so um yeah and uh, now it's um a matter of learning this next level you know my manager he's like okay now we have to talk to agents you know but um, right. this can
1: be like a tool. A tool. How and are you going to use it? Exactly. That?
2: So that's where we're at right now, strategizing. That's great. Um, how, okay, so I've been meeting with publicists, trying to find a publicist, you know, a publicist that can work with my budget because...
1: Right, that's what know, I was thinking. Yeah, was a like, lot of
2: these publicists are really expensive, and they're. I get it, they're worth it, they're worth their money because they do a lot of work, but, you know, meeting with them and saying, okay, this is moving faster than my pocketbook, right? So it's like, I wasn't expecting the win, I, I, I have this in me, but I need you right now because I really need to get people to know who I am and who's this newcomer on the scene.
1: Right. But I
2: don't have $10,000 to pay you, you know, things right. like that. And But so, if we
1: can go down the road yes, and lead to other things, Yes, then, then
2: I can pay you. So can. it's like one of those humbling, humbling, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, conversations because um, it goes up against my worth in the sense of like, one, I don't want to ask that. Like, I want to be going this is back to my own stuff in my therapy i want to be that person that walks in with a million dollars in the bank and go i need you i'm going to pay you ten thousand dollars a month let's go i want to be that kind of powerful woman when i walk in the room and i don't have that kind of power which is you know okay because i'm powerful in other ways but it's a very humbling experience to walk into the room and go okay i know on the outside it looks great but behind closed doors the reality is i don't have regina king money or, mm-hmm. you know, Viola Davis money. This Emmy can help me get there. But are you willing to work with me and help me get to where I want to be so then I can, you know, pay you what we can you're have worth. a long relationship. And we can yeah. build a relationship. It's about not just right now. Whoever I pick on or take on, I want to be with you for years to come. You know, and some are like, no, we don't work that way. And that's fine. And some are like, well, let's do a proposal. Let's see what we can do. So I'm just hoping one of them works out. But it's... um. Dealing with um, the embarrassment side of it, you know, feeling embarrassed at times because I feel like the expectation is, I sh- when I walk in the room, like, why am I even here? Because I should have this money. You should pay me this money, and that not very well be what's happening. But it's my own stuff right. that I recognize totally. that I put on myself, and then I get embarrassed because I'm like, oh, goodness. What? So it just brings up. A- it's so funny. The Emmy has brought up a lot of my <laughs> stuff, and I'm like, okay, and I'm sort sure of running every from extreme. it. Yes. Yeah. And so instead of running from it, I'm going to embrace it and work through it, but it's very interesting what an Emmy can do or whatever level you go because it just brings out your insecurities and that's what I'm dealing with.
1: Um, Well, I'm sure part of it must also be strange that like you've been working hard at this for so long. So it's like you say, you use the term like newcomer on the scene, Mm -hmm. but it's like, yeah, Maybe to this one sliver of the industry, which this might help you, like, get into. But you've been around. You've been doing things. Everybody knows you (laughs) in our circle (laughs) in New York, at least. Everybody knows (laughs) there and Jerry. So I'm sure that's an interesting thing, too, to, like, feel like the new kid.
2: Yes, and I completely feel like the new kid on the the bottom of the totem pole. And I don't mind working my way up because I'm a hard worker, Mm -hmm. but I do... um, Feel like and this, like I said, is not may not be the reality that people are looking down on like this new girl who she she has no money, who where does she come from? But you know, at least people and, are showing up to meet with me. Right. I'll say that.
1: And I'm sure most of them are not. Yeah, that's what I. That's what, like a lesson I always have to relearn. Is like yeah. most people are not thinking about me. Yes, like, they are thinking about their own insecurities, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're probably yeah. not thinking of yeah. how stupid that thing I just said. Yes, yeah. felt to me. <laughs>
2: And I'm working on that. I have to that just really talk to, I have to really be good to myself and talk mm-hmm. to myself in a very loving way, which I, I welcome, but it's interesting how I just have to remind myself to talk good to myself. And I don't know if that's a woman thing, society thing, because we're just, yeah. we're in, inundated with so much. And I feel like when I talk to my girlfriends, we're always unlearning and, and unpacking stuff that society has placed on us that we don't want We don't want placed on us. And I feel like that's a part of it. Right. Yeah.
1: Tell me about the show itself that you won for Yeah.
2: Well, um, after forever is on Amazon. Um, it's, um, a story about finding love after 50. Mm -hmm. Um, of course not me. Cause you know, (laughs) I mean I could very well be 60 and look amazing, but, um, I play the best friend of one of the leads, um, played by Kevin Spiritus. Um, and Brian and Jason are the characters on the show. And he, um, goes through a lot and i'll just say he goes through a lot that a lot of people can relate to so if you watch the show it's very universal in the sense that you would go okay if you've been in love you love people you love you have relationships that are important to you you're going to connect to the show because it's all about relationships and um i play brenda who is his best friend and i am there to help him get through things right and it's so funny because I'm like, it's, when I say it, I'm like, it's such a cliche. I'm the the, the um, best black right. friend, right? right? And so it's interesting because when I when I talk to one of the writers, Michael Slade, he's the, one of the head writers. You know, I talked to him about my concerns, and he's been very open to say he's like, we're gonna make sure that doesn't happen. Even with the first season, when I sat with him, we connected and clicked right away. And I gave him some insight. I just had questions. I and, I'm, and I always approach him in a way of like because my goal is to not cross burn bridges, I guess. But how can I get what I want or need, you know, a, a that can come across without blowing up the whole ship or sinking the ship, right? And I say that in a sense of like, this these writers have an idea of how the character should go, and then you you read it and you go, okay, well this this is my input, my insight. This is what I'm feeling. What do you mean by this? How do you feel about this? And Michael and I had that conversation and he was very open with it to me, which I loved because you don't get a, you don't get that a lot. So, it and I knew right away that he was different and special in that way. And then he went back and he made little changes to Brenda mm-hmm. that he felt, he was like, that he felt that, what he said to me was, I listened to you and you um, really just, you know, got my thinking cap on. And he sent me the script again, let me know what you think. And I was like, this is great. And then,
1: That's so nice. It's great, right? It was a great
2: (laughs) feeling. And it's so funny because then he's like, well, it's between you and another person.
1: I was like, what?
2: (laughs) I was like, well, damn you, Michael, what's going on? How is that possible? (laughs) And so, um, and I just remember going, okay, I would love to do this, but whatever my path is, my path is. And you you just, I just went on to live my life and live in my life like it's golden. And, And then... I get an email from him saying that we really want you to come on board, and it was great because it was very fascinating in the sense of, in hindsight, it was one of those things where I didn't have to audition. Like you hear stories about actors. That's what I was going to ask: if this how if you no no auditioning
1: or how this worked out.
2: Well, we met through a mutual friend. My friend Melissa Maxwell gave him my my name and number and all of that, and he contacted me, and we talked about her, how much we love her, and then it was just meetings. We talked because he was like, if wanted to see we connect he wanted to see how I understood Brenda at the time when he sent me the script and it was just, it's an experience I've never had before because you know I'm just used to going auditioning going you're not right okay mm-hmm. and then um, and you hear stories of actors on different levels how they said we had a meeting we talked about the character, and then here I am sitting, having an interview about the movie I just made. Right.
1: And I'm just like, wow, like, that is so, so... nice, Jennifer Lawrence. You know
2: what? It's so <laughs> nice, Viola Davis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, Good we just you. met, and I just said I like this part, and I got the part, and like, i like, okay. I,
1: it always makes me laugh when on like, t- late night talk shows and stuff, they ask them, like, well, how did you decide you wanted to do this movie? And I'm like... <laughs> It must be so nice yes. to get to that point where that's about you choosing them. Exactly, and that's what Not about the I, job I, choosing listen, you. Listen, I
2: I keep putting out yeah. to the universe like I look forward to the day where I just don't have to audition as much and I hope one day that happens, but I don't like auditioning. It drives me Maybe. nuts. It fills me with anxiety, the things that we the things that actors go through, we just we love the craft, right? But I Do not. I was talking to my manager about this the other day. I'm like, I don't like auditioning. neither. I can't master it. I don't get it. And then I feel like as much as I try to show what I can do, it still doesn't come across of what I can do. Like I see actors, I look at some of their audition tapes, like on YouTube and things, and some of them are good at it. It's a skill and a technique that I feel like I haven't mastered.
1: But it's different.
2: And it's different. (laughs) And I'm like, and there are actors who, and that's why you hear stories about actors who can walk in a room and nail the room and then they fall apart on stage. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's actors who can't master the audition room but if they're on stage they're amazing. yeah I feel like I'm the person on stage that's amazing but in the audition room I fall apart yeah. And so I just want to get to a place where I just because I don't I just don't like the anxiety that it brings up in me right yeah. and I would love to pick and choose the projects that I want or how a black woman are presented in the world and yeah and so with this experience I look back and I didn't have that like we just talked he came in he trusted me he said, I want to give you the part. I came on set, and they all took me under their wing. They treated me really well. I'm um, Kevin Spiritus, who's you know more seasoned, because I'm the newcomer as far as when it comes to sets, right? Being on right. set, you've done more stage. The, yeah, I've done more stage. stage. I'm a theater girl. Like my resume is all theaters, right? I've been at the Guthrie. I've been everywhere, and so, um, and you know, going in that environment, already nervous, but knowing that you can do it. But it's just like, okay, I just don't know how the other people are gonna be, the cast is gonna be, and and when you watch a show, you'll see. How much love people have with each other, and you re- you see it in the characters because in between takes everybody was getting along, laughing, having a good time. Yes. Kevin was good to me. You know, there's certain terms I didn't know, or and like in in between takes we would be in the corner running our lines. Why they change? Like it was just it was just a love fest, and so um, I just really stumbled onto something that was really great because it could have been no one gets along or there's drama. And there was no drama. There was none of that. And I was like, this is amazing. Because there's always one bad apple.
0: And yeah.
2: we, didn't, we didn't have one.
1: Amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll take this. Now, as we go forward, who knows? Because, you know, you become a family and then you bicker like family. <laughs> you know, I don't, like, ask us if but we have a... But plan- they're yeah.
1: planning to keep going. Yeah,
2: we're going to do um, season two in um, September. We're going to mm-hmm. shoot that. They're already, um, you know getting together pre-production and dates and things like that. So I'll, I'll know more soon. But and they yeah. shot here? We shoot in New York. Yeah. So okay. yeah. So second season is going to be happening and I'm, I'm excited about that and to see where Brenda goes and how she grows and all the characters really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just never, a journey <laughs> that started in a coffee shop never would have thought it, it would end with the it Emmy. It's just, I just, I just want to work. I just want to, I'm just hungry. Yeah, to, I'm just about the work.
1: Can we talk a little bit about some of uh, like you've done a lot of regional theater, you've done a lot of plays in New York, but like in between those, when you're trying to like stave off the dark side, mm-hmm. when you're not working, mm-hmm. like the kinds of things you've tried to ignite for yourself, projects you've started for yourself, mm-hmm. that maybe no, I'm just putting words in your mouth, oh, no, no, <laughs> That maybe give you some like control yes. when you're not. In control. I hear
2: that. I hear that. Um, it started. Uh, This is a long-winded answer. Hopefully, I can find the words to get it. I don't know. It's just, this is what's coming to me. I'll say that. So, I'm an MFA at Rutgers. Right. Graduated. You know, they don't prepare you. You just get out. Even if you take a business class, you get out. You're like, what is happening? What is going on? And I've been out six months, and I don't have my own TV show. Why is that? (laughs) You know, so you're going through all this stuff, right? And then I remember... My mentor, who was my teacher at at Rutgers, I had Bill with rest in peace, mm-hmm. and then I had Maggie Flanagan, both together. And I remember going to Maggie's office at her studio because I was so just like, "What is going on? I don't know what I'm doing." You know, school doesn't prepare you for the first year, second year out, in that way, emotionally, spiritually, all of it. And I'm in her office. I'm just boohooing talking don't know what I'm doing and so she just looks at me and she goes well why don't you come here cuz she she has her own acting studio and I was like what do you mean cuz I'm like I do not want to go through training again and kick my butt
1: <laughs> I just paid for that
2: you know I just paid for that, and I'm still paying it <laughs> off I'm still in debt so you know um, she's like why don't you come here and, and teach with me and my ear perked mm. up I was like what and so, and that's how I ended up at Maggie Flanagan's, which I've been there for like eight or nine years. Oh my gosh! Coaching, teaching cold reading, I do so um, classes and yeah, individual and coaching. It, I do private coachings, and then it's a two-year conservatory and um, cold reading and monologue class. And it started me again. This is my path. I see in hindsight. Like walked in not asking for her to, for a job, mm-hmm. just saying, "You're my mentor. Help me out. What's going on?" And then she's like, You can train with me with the Meisner technique. She's like, There's not that many teachers who study under Sandy Meisner himself. Bill did, Maggie did, and a few other teachers. And then she's like, I, I want to pass a torch on eventually. And there's not that many women teachers in Meisner. And she's like, You'll be the first African American woman teaching Meisner. She's like, It seems like all win, 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 win.
1: <laughs> she just pulled this And then she just pulled out this out, out in that
2: thin air in, in her office. And I was like, Are you are you serious and now she's like yes so I decided to do that I trained with her for three years just as a teacher so I had to come to class I had to sit in class I had to take notes I had to check in with her um, I had to really get the language and it was a big commitment and it was a lot of work and um, couldn't go away as much you know regionally because I was like well once I'm done with this I can go wherever I want and teach when I decide to teach you know because Maggie was even like she's like you know if you decide to have a family you know in the future you whatever you want to do she's like do you have this technique as a teacher where you can just stay in one place and do what you have to do right, right. so I trained with her for three years before I could even touch my own student and then after that, I was sub, and then I became a coach. Because then, it's so funny, because after I was done, I started getting regional gigs, right? But it's probably because I was so focused on something else and not yeah. the damn career.
1: That's the way it happens. That's the
2: way it happens, right? So I'm you know, walking in the room, I'm booking. I'm like, okay, great. you Because know, I'm not like, I have to get this. There's no desperate energy going on. And then Maggie, that's what Maggie and I were like, listen, because... If you're going to teach Meisner for a two-year conservatory, that's a commitment. And I wouldn't want to leave in the middle of, you know, because I feel like if I start a class, I want to see them all the way through their, their, their training. And so then that's when Maggie was like, well, why don't we have you be a coach? So when they need to be put on tape, you want to help them with the grad school auditions, or if, you know, they're stuck in class, I can send them to you things like that and so that's how the coaching came about because I can pick and choose my hours when I'm in town I can coach I can go away because Maggie was Maggie she still is very big on this but at the time she was she was saying to me you can do it all if you want to coach if you want to teach because I was like how am I gonna do this I can't do this she's like listen yes you can I don't want you to feel like you can't do it she's like I want you to think of it as an expansion like you're expanding you just expanding your toolbox
1: that isn't and that amazing a gift.
2: and isn't amazing i mean just that's how i ended up at maggie's because she <laughs> took me under her wing and i still to this day coach i teach you know and when i'm you know i don't do as much regional anymore because i was like i just don't want to live out of a box anymore because you get older and you're like i just can't mm-hmm. i don't want it i have to be it has to be big for me to go like mark taper or the globe and i'm like you know hamlet you know <laughs> like it has to be something big but um but yeah so that's that and then that was that so that helped me with the dark times in between because i love going to class i love teaching i love watching them and learn. as a day
1: job too right? and as a day job financially so
2: it's so great and um and then even with charlie he runs the studio now because maggie's retired we went to school together we were in the same class he's the master the, they call him the master main teacher because he's the head head teachers of all the teachers and then, like I'll sub for him. There's Karen. I'll go in and sub for her if they if they're sick or they can't make it. But I teach my classes and I coach and I love it. So, um, so that helps me, um, it, and it makes me a better actress being a teacher. So that and then um and then I have my own little talk show called Sundays with a Cherry on Top, and I started that because I just didn't want to wait for the phone to ring. I was like, you know, because. Of course, I want to do film and TVing and have financial stability. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? I just... I can't let that stress me out because then again, I'm in therapy, stressing out about how do I become stable, all those things. And then to keep that from overtaking my psyche, I I created this show as an outlet. So, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start interviewing my friends, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) people that I know. You know, I know you know what I'm talking about. And then... And then just see where it goes and expand and then when I started reaching out to people and asking them to do this they would say yes and I was like oh so so many people they want to talk they want to let people know what they're doing they want to feel included they want to talk about their art because and they're not getting phone calls for interviews and I was like I'm on to something here so I have season one down I'm gonna do season two but that's why it was important for me to be here with you today because I'm like I understand and I get it. It's like we need to have outlets and we need to support each other. And people supported me. You know, my friend um, Camila, she was like, she runs the Apollo. She was like, yeah, come to the Apollo. Let's do an interview. I was like, the, the executive producer of the Apollo said yes to me. <laughs> you know, when you think about Take things like, yes you know. for an answer. And yeah. you're like, she could have easily been like, no, girl, I'm too busy. I can't do this. Right. You know, and then, and I just, it's about, I'm thinking about what my friends are doing, where they are. You know, I have a friend that runs a Hope, the Hope Center in, in, um, in Harlem. And it's um, a, a, an office through a therapist of color, which is very rare. But all the therapists are black men and women. And, you know, so if somebody who is of color, who specifically black, wants a therapist that looks like them, they can go to the Hope Center. I'm like, no one knows about this place. Yeah. Let's interview. And that's part of my first season. So it's just, I'm getting creative and, like, getting an outlet for myself but also giving other people outlets because mm-hmm. not many people are picking up the phone going, you know what, I want to interview you know, the head of the Hope Center in Harlem. And I just feel like it's needed and it fulfills me and it keeps me from the dark side.
1: Yeah. yeah. And when you came up with that idea, were you also, um, like the medium, mm-hmm. the medium of doing it as a video, mm-hmm. like were you also thinking um, strategically about like this is somehow the way I want to showcase myself as like, a host, or was it more just like the visual medium is going to be the most interesting to like spotlight hmm. these different environments mm-hmm. that everybody's in? Or... I'm just curious. Hmm. I mean,
2: instinctively and honestly, it was just about the visual. And then as I started to do it, my friends will watch the video because I was like, "Hey, um, this is edited before I post it. Give me some feedback, things like that." And um, they were like oh this is great this is you're good this is the element you should think about hosting and then I started thinking about hosting and so that's basically how it happened because and I was like okay that's another cap a feather in my cap I can add but then I was like I do not want to do the work (laughs) as far as trying to find an agent who hosts or you know who represents hosts or trying to build a host reel I was like you know
1: what it's yeah, it's weird that that's a it's a thing. It's its own lane now. It's its own lane now. But it, that's that's great that it's kind of like a happy accident that. Yes. If you needed if a I little need it. reel for hosting. Yes,
2: I can put one together. Yeah. And so and I just I haven't put a reel together. I just I want to shoot my second season and maybe something out of that. But I it's um interesting um to know that now I can add that because now when I watch um like the talk or the view yeah. or when I and when I watch Political shows, and I watch like late night talk shows. I'm like, yeah, I could do that too. But it wasn't <laughs> something that I was thinking about. But now, but I watch them now because you know how to ask the right questions, how to interview people, um, and really keep the interviews interesting. And plus, the with the v- being visual, it's like I want to keep people's attention, right? Right. I don't want them to like watch five minutes and go, okay, I'm done. Cherry, mm-hmm. this is boring. So really, editing, how to keep it interesting, not making it too long now because now it's like. You know my first season the episodes are like 15 minutes but now i now i'm like it's so much has happened so much has changed like even with social media and and now we have instagram tv and the snippets are like two seconds and and i'm like okay maybe 15 minutes is too long so maybe second season will be 10 minutes you think about those things because you don't want people to turn the channel yeah and it's very interesting but i'm learning as i go with that too but um, yeah, I, I could see myself on The View as a, as a co-host, you know, things like that. So it is on my list, but I'm not, I'm just too tired. Like I just yeah. want to just do it because I love it and I, I want, like that's you, awesome. I just want to sit with people that I love and know and, and just talk to them.
1: I mean, the, that's what I find with the podcast too, is it just it empowers me so much to have something that I can make yes. without anyone else telling me that I can. Yes. Yeah.
2: You get me exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have yeah. someone
1: filming when you do it, or you just yeah. set up the camera and yeah, have, I have, have a camera um, person.
2: I have um, Gabriel. Well, I well I don't know who I'm gonna have this second season right now because I'm I'm talking to people. I'm talking to my friend Larry. He has a whole camera thing, and so he might be my guy. We're just looking at times to see if, if, if we can match up. Mm-hmm. But the first season, it was um, my friend Gabriel Lawrence, and um, he would come with me snip snip you know shoot shoot and then he would edit for me too so he was like filming and editing and doing all these things and i kept praising him because i was like um again back to money right it's like i personally don't know how to edit um i if i had to shoot it myself i would and i was like but you have a great eye will you are you willing to come on board and do this for me basically for free because i don't have 30 million dollars to give you and he was like (laughs) yes because i believe in the project. And the goal is, as I as I started doing the show, I discovered. Um, I would love it to be something like what Ava DuVernay would, did with Queen Sugar is like each episode is directed by a, a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because, um, because when um, after the first season, I was like, you know what? I want to build a team because some because Gabriel's an actor as well right and so there was times where we had to reschedule because he got a job he had to go away things like that and I'm like great I support that but then at the same time I'm like maybe I can have a list of editors and then like every episode can be edited by a different person and I can put people on the map that way Um, and then I started asking my musician friends who, who who don't have their music out there like one of the episodes my friend Germano I was like, hey, can I have one? Of your, can I use one of your songs for one of my episodes? He's like, great, yeah. And I gave him credit. And I was like, okay, so this is what Avery Duvernay is talking about. So I'm going to continue on that, right? Mm-hmm. My cousin just graduated with a um, MFA in film editing. So I was like, hey, um, I want you to edit my season one all of them like to make a little commercial snippet to get ready for season two like just take a little bit from each episode put it together as a little commercial and i said and he's a musician and i said pick let's pick one of your songs and he was like oh my god that's so dope What? <laughs> and i was just like i and it made me feel so good yeah so i want to continue doing that like i would love to have different editors different people coming in and helping me and just keeping, long as the division's the there, but I want to put other people on the map that way. So when I put them on YouTube, um, the first season I went through and I gave everybody credit, I put their social media handles. So if people go watch the, one of the episodes, they'll see who is exactly on that one, who edited that one, and things like right. that. So that's, yeah.
1: yeah. That kind of collaboration just feels so good. Yeah. Plus. Uh, what other artistic outlets have you found? You mentioned at the very beginning mm. you're doing a little bit of writing.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you found it mm. um, useful in your self-care? Uh, is... n- y-
2: yes and no, in the sense of like the subject matter I'm writing about. I'm like, why am I writing about this? Mm. Um, uh, it's um, dealing with uh, police brutality.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't want to give too much away, but that's... So there's times when I write and I'm like, okay, oh my goodness, my mind, my heart, what am I saying? What am I doing? Why? Why? But I also want to try. Um, years ago, I took a um, a writing class, just to say, playwriting class, and a friend of mine taught it, and I went as a guinea pig. But then I was like, oh, look at the exercises she gave, and then I started putting ideas down, but then I got scared, so I put it away. And then, with everything happening even more so, just every day you wake up at something, right? Climate change, what's going on with 45, I call them 45, and then, um, you know, just what's going on with the Senate, just, oh, there's so much going on. And I was like, you know, I just really want an outlet, you know, and I grew up journaling a lot, and I was like, maybe it's, gonna, it's, maybe it, it's a healing process to help me if I talk through characters, because sometimes when I sit down to journal and write, I get overwhelmed for whatever reason. I still haven't figured that out. But um, just sitting with myself sometimes and just journaling my my thoughts and seeing how overwhelmed and how emotional I am and angry I am becomes a lot. So um, I decided to just write and write, let the characters say these things. So I have one play and everything is connected spiritually. Like my plays are, always have a spiritual element in them. I notice because I have one play that's almost done. And then I have another play that I want to write. And where I got the idea, I'm just baffled by, but it's, um, a trilogy. And I'm like, you've never written anything in your life. Why are you out here trying to write a trilogy? <laughs> I'm like, girl, that's what so I say to myself. I'm like, why girl, not? I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why? So, but why not? <laughs> oh, I'm so mad at myself. I was like, this is not okay. But, um, so um, I started the trilogy as well, um, and then I stopped to finish the first play I have in my head. And then I have this journal where I just write ideas of plays because now That's ideas right. are coming up. And I trust me, I don't write, but I guess I do right now. If you know what I mean, it's just I've never finished a play before. I've never set like I've always started or stopped over right. time but I'm determined to sit down. It doesn't have to go anywhere, no one has to read it. That's what I'm telling myself. Like I just wanna write it and I just wanna finish it. And if I can at least finish one play instead of running from it, I feel like I will have work yeah. do something. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm really just trying to finish this one play I, and I have an idea how I want it to end. And I just, I've been writing it, going through, um, I have several acts down it's, and I'm really proud of myself but I don't wanna run from it because of the subject matter. But it's the subject matter that came up for me and it's very painful. So yeah, the idea of wanting to finish something heals me. But sometimes it can I have to stop because I feel like it brings up the dark place because of how plus you know, you see the videos. Yeah. There's so much going on with that, it, that it's just very heartbreaking. And so I but I wanna I wanna write about it in some way. I don't wanna be silent about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean that's and that's a huge goal to set for yourself too but what a valuable exercise like you said like even if no one else reads it or if you become an, a playwright mm-hmm. <laughs> the I fact mean, that you channeled yeah. your energies into this new form
2: mm-hmm. yes exciting yeah so I and I was actually that goes. was a
1: question I wanted to ask you if you mm-hmm. wanted to talk about it was like how you've been dealing with this current political climate yeah as an artist and yeah so that that yeah. Happened. So that happened. That yeah, happened writing.
2: Naturally. Yeah, writing, and um, you know, talking with friends, mm-hmm. um, just and finding safe spaces because um, I, I really feel um, black and brown people have to find safe spaces right now, especially now. Mm-hmm. Um, and because a lot of safe spaces, if you look at history, were infiltrated by the FBI or broken up. You know, all these. That's a whole other history lesson, MLK, and you know, just. Finding safe spaces to talk about it, but, you know, no one has to know about it. Like, I'm not going to post it on social media because I don't need somebody coming in and trying to break it up, you know, things like that. Um, but talking about your feelings, airing it out, crying a lot. I was just talking on the phone to a friend um, two nights ago for two hours, just talking about the debates, talking about the Supreme Court and what they're doing with gerrymandering. And I'm just like, okay, so that, it just makes me so angry because... The gerrymandering is happening because the black and brown vote is the most powerful vote. And, you know, and there's these senators who can only stay in office if they gerrymander because they know that they would not be, they would be voted out. Black and white would vote them out. And and for the Supreme Court to say, okay, no, that your local judges can't help you. They can't interfere and they're just going to allow you to just do what you want. It angers me because one... People are going to be in office indefinitely. That's what I see happening, and I also see this trickling up to I'm um, 45. If we don't vote him out, or if we don't get him out, mm-hmm. because I just feel like they just handed him the presidency in a way that, if people can gerrymander and it's not illegal, they're going to gerrymander in Trump's favor, and I just it just it just scares me, and angers me, and um, I. I just hear people talking about different things. And I feel like a lot of people are focused on the wrong things. But even if we were focused on it, how do we fight this? But I just really feel... I really, in a perfect world, would want Congress to prove that he's an illegitimate president and just undo everything he did. Just be like, you know what? This, you're ill... You know, because you can do that if you're... If a foreign government or you get aid you commit treason, we can just undo everything he did. And I, I want something like that to happen where... They just say, "Go, okay. You know what? You've been found guilty, treasonous, and these judges you've put in, we're gonna remove it. Rewind that that Supreme Court thing. Not even we're not even gonna go there. It's rewind because you're you're not removing you from office. You know. So I just I I don't know how that looks, and will that happen? But I just in a perfect world, that's what I would want. Just redo everything he's done by proving that he is not fit to be president. Because if you can prove that, then." Legally, you can say. Well, that's the know? thing that's
1: so maddening is that so many times something will come up and then they'll be like, "But it's not actually like legally, it's like there's a he's broken every precedent ever, but yeah. there's not actually a legal yeah something that's wrong with it, and it's just like how is it's because everything's out in the open. That's yeah, how I feel is like yeah, there's a million reasons why he shouldn't be president. Everybody knows them. Yeah, but for some reason they can't pin down. The one thing that is against the law and you should go to jail or whatever it is. It's it's baffling.
2: It's so baffling. And so, you know, so I I have a circle of friends that we talk about things like that. Good. You know, just have a safe environment. Like to be able to say exactly how you feel, have your feelings. If you're angry, Mm -hmm. you want to throw something. It's like, you know, just where I could be an angry black woman, right? Because sometimes, you know, you can't, I can't walk around with that because I just, because the way I'm perceived, right? right? But to have a safe space to just be able to get those feelings out and not be judged, and being in the room with somebody who has that same feeling with me, um, it's very important. But it's a very hard time. I'm very scared. I really want um the country to do right because I I look at um what happened with Hillary. She got the popular vote. Right. So that gives me hope. But I just need we. Need, I just feel like the only way we can get him out is that the margins are so big. That they can't, because if the margins are closed, but I feel like he can try to them. he can try to take it, right? right? But I feel like if the margins are so big, there's nothing he can do, because it's like, li- unless he literally doesn't care and he takes it, and then we have to arrest him or something. But you know, I, I just, I, we can't. The country can't survive another four years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, anyhow. <laughs> uh, let's change the... We, talking first. <laughs> we had to go there, but not. So. I
2: know, that is like, but you know. <laughs>
1: um, are there any lessons that you've learned in the last couple of years that you're really proud of that mm. you want to share with me? It could be something big or something very small. Mm.
2: Wow. Such a good question. I feel like I'm learning all the time. But um, learning to be good to myself is something I have, I've realized, right? Like I was talking earlier about dealing with the self-worth mm-hmm. um, and how it's magnified and really recognizing it and talking myself off the ledge. That's huge, right? And just giving myself love and say, you know what? It doesn't, like I say this a lot because it's something I've learned. I feel this way, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the reality, right? right? And just really saying that out loud so I don't fall off the deep end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge for me because um, I feel, I could feel so many things and then I could easily make it a reality. Like, I just feel like that's what's going on. And then once I get through it, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's that wasn't really the reality of it. And, and also to... Um, the people that you know who are there for you no matter what, you, you just want to keep them close as a glove. That is huge for me. Um, sometimes I can hibernate or not um, see them or love them as much as I should. And um, just realizing those four or five people, I mean, if they're gone, then you have no lifeline. Yeah. And that is something that I'm, I'm nurturing with them. Like I have a small village I call it my tribe. That I can just be my my hundred percent self around, and that's very rare, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and I don't, you know, that's all you need is four or five. You don't yeah. need a whole bunch, right? And so I just really, um, you know, yeah, I need just making sure I'm around more, making sure that they know I love them, and that um, that we spend time together because. I get it. You don't see each other all the time. Time goes by, but it can't be eight, nine months, ten years. You know things like that. With those specific people, yeah, with those specific people, chosen family, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Some people, you're like, oh, I'll see them when I see them, but the ones that you have your back, you just want to nurture. Just nurturing them is important to me.
1: When you do find yourself in that dark side, are there any really tangible? tools that you reach for again and again like a book you reread or music you listen to i know we talked about working out mm-hmm. um things mm-hmm. like that that you come back to
2: um i i love incense mm-hmm. i love sage so like i always i'm always about changing the energy um palo santo um i will walk in my house um, i'll sage i'll open the windows and i'll go through and i'll sage and i'll say a prayer or you know mm-hmm. if i feel if i'm feeling energy from my dark side, and I want it out of the house, out this Palo Santo I bless. Um, I this is this is a very spiritual thing. I have an altar, um, and I have my grandparents on there, and I have my grandfather's pipe. I have different things from um, my family on there. I have money on there, right? I have a two. My grandmother, when I was growing up, used to always give me two dollar bills, mm-hmm. and I have a two dollar bill on there. And I just because um, I believe. My, they're here with me and I believe that they hear me when I talk to them and I know not everybody has that belief but this is something that I do to get me through so I'll talk to them at the altar um, but yeah I literally will change the, the energy of my room by saging I think that's important and then I do um, I have rituals that I do like you can do um, basil baths you can boil water in basil and um, you know um you can google it like different kinds of ba- ritual baths mm-hmm. and um you know stand in the shower and just pour it over yourself and like give yourself a prayer things like that like self-care it just has to be yeah but those are some tangible tangible things that people can try or you could take away but it's like finding ritual baths that that you feel that you know i do there's some for new year's eve there's some for all different kinds of occasions um but yeah and there's some for like whatever you're feeling or how you want to get rid of it you just you know get get your your roots of certain kind of roots and you boil them and you take the water you send in the shower and you just I, you just let it go down the drain. Water
1: is my yeah. therapeutic element so oh, nice. I need to try. Yeah, this. so try some of those. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but google google All and right. see what works for you, especially if you're inclined to water it's going to that will benefit you even more.
1: Um, and then the final question is yeah. is there anything that you've seen recently of any art form that you want to recommend? Ooh. So like friends shows or books or
2: Ooh. Oh my goodness, okay. okay. What do I, what, what have I seen that I recommend? Oh my goodness, I've seen so many things. Okay. Um, I saw, okay, um, the one that I, that's, that's still sticking with me now Secret Life of Bees and that's at the Atlantic. Oh, okay. And it's with LaShawn's, Saekon, Um Issa Davis. Those are the, names that come into mind. There's other names, but I can't picture them. I mean, I can't get the names right now. But, um...
1: And it's still running. Next. It's
2: still running and it's um, a musical based on the movie and the book. Um, taking a lot of things from the book more so than the movie. Um, but it was just, um... Oh, it was just beautiful to see these black women on stage singing and I don't want to give it away but there's a ritual that takes place and I was like this is what I needed (laughs) because I'm all about I'm a very I'm all about rituals anyway and so it was perfect and so I recommend um people see um Secret Lives of Bees if they if they can go and see that I think that I think that'll that'll lift their spirits because it's a beautiful musical it's beautiful yeah
1: wonderful yeah <laughs> jerry thank you so much i'm oh so gosh. glad that i'm glad this thank is you for that, reaching yeah. out again and yeah and of course it happen. i'm glad i'm glad i
2: have to i'm like i'm here and like i said earlier about the nurturing thing is like i'm reaching out to people i'm like i'm here let's spend some time together because <laughs> you know before i get busy again but i just feel like especially with everything that's happening in my life mm-hmm. i don't not and i this is the only thing that comes to mind but it's cliche, like they say, it's lonely at the top. Like I'm not at the top. Like where I still feel like I can continue to grow. Right, but you're so, riding this wave right now. But yeah, I'm riding this wave right now, and I don't want to be isolated in it because I can easily just hunker down and go goals, goals, goals. In you know, what do I got to do, what do I where I have to be. I'm gonna be in LA, and like not talk to anybody and just yeah. be. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, I want to hang out and like. But you, if you don't nurture those relationships, exactly. right? And so that's important to me, and I don't want to do this journey by myself. And so I feel like the people that, like I said, I went through, and I was like going through my emails, and I'm like the people that I adore, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, we, we said we're gonna do this interview. I'll have time. We're gonna do it. You know. And so I, it's important to me, especially during this time, that I nurture. Yes. So, the yeah.
1: Community. Yeah. That's what well, I want to do. I really do. appreciate it. It was such oh, such a pleasure. I'm so glad to get to, to see really you. connect. Yes, because so- yes. it's been a long time. listening to the compass podcast if you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the compass please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the compass podcast pledges start at as little as one dollar a month you'll get access to bonus content and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated also if you have a moment please rate or review in itunes every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.